I'll come on on another episode and we'll definitely get tipsy. I am so down. Perfect. We'll pick, um... <laughs> we'll pick, oh, like, a romance book or something. I was something. gonna say, we'll do, like, a contemporary romance or something. Yeah. And we'll get... We'll definitely a rom-com so we could laugh about everything that happened. Yes. I am so in. Oh, I'm Perfect. excited. hello everyone and welcome to the same page if you don't already know me i'm your host jenna clausen lover of books sympathizer of book to movie adaptations and owner of an embarrassingly long tbr list Each month, I'll be bringing on a bookish friend or two to discuss some of our current and favorite books, as well as a few recent binge-watches, and to share in a buddy read. Grab a drink, join the discussion, and let's find out if we're on the same page. Trigger warnings for the book that we'll be discussing in today's episode include domestic violence, mental, emotional, and physical abuse, gaslighting, both car and plane crashes, drug dealing, and discussion of addiction, as well as themes major to the book that include boys will be boys mentality and the Me Too movement. My guest today is my friend Marissa, although on Instagram she's better known as Eat Books, Read Food, where she posts workout inspiration and lots of pet photos, in addition to her book photos and reviews. She also helps out with the Instagram book club, Literally Shelved, where she hosts a monthly buddy read. You can find all of her social media information, as well as where to follow her, down in the show notes. And with that, let's jump on into the episode. Hello, welcome back to the same page. Thanks for coming back for the discussion. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Her intro will have already played, obviously, but uh, I am here again with my friend Marissa, and we are going to be discussing. (laughs) Discussing. I tried to mix discussing and discussion, and it didn't work out for me. (laughs) Uh, The Last Flight by Julie Clark, with the super intense red and black cover. It's it's a lot. It's eye-catching uh this one publisher is source books landmark copyright year was last year 2020 and number of pages is 302 so i will go ahead and read the inside cover and whatnot in just a moment again i know we did that last time but just a quick recap of kind of our pre-discussion from last week but first do you want to start us off with what you're drinking Sure. I have two things. I have water. And I have my liquid gold just to give me a little energy boost because I felt like I was falling asleep even though it's only one here. So (laughs) I know. uh, We were talking a little bit before we started, but I did not get a ton of sleep last night. And so (laughs) we are just, we're hoping that our drinks are going to wake us up a little bit and uh maybe the book will get the energy going a little bit i think it will it'll it'll be good (laughs) i also have two things uh my water cup is not quite as encouraging as yours is (laughs) it's very cute like drink that water uh (laughs) 
but I also have water. And then I'm just feeling a little bit gross today, honestly, probably just because of the lack of sleep. Um, so I just have ginger ale. But again, hopefully the sugar will like kick in at some point. And then I have it in this cute little like coffee to go cup that has library shelves on it, which I'm just kind of obsessed with. Uh, that I got from the book of, not book of the month, uh, Once Upon a Book Club box that I talked about in, I want to say, a December episode, but a while ago now. But this was in it, and it's very cute. So it's holding my sugar water, basically, <laughs> today. <laughs> the cup is very cute. <laughs> I, was, I was telling her again before we started that I... In the time since I opened and posted about the uh, book club box, completely forgot that I had this cup. <laughs> it wasn't until a couple days ago that my husband was like, here you go, here's the drink you wanted, and it was in this cup. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> go figure. I just have a very bad memory, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, the last flight... Like I said, I'm just going to quickly read the inside cover here, just to remind us what it's about. So it says, Two women, two flights, one last chance to disappear. You might know a husband like Claire's, ambitious, admired, with deep pockets. But behind closed doors, he has a temper that burns as bright as his promising political career, and he's not above using his staff to track Claire's every move. What he doesn't know is that Claire has worked for months on a plan to vanish. <clears throat> a chance meeting in an airport brings her together with a woman who seems equally desperate to flee her life. Together, they make a last-minute decision to switch tickets, Claire taking Ava's flight to Oakland and Ava traveling to Puerto Rico as Claire. But when the Puerto Rico plane crashes, Claire's options narrow to one impossible choice. Assume Ava's identity and along with it, the secrets Ava fought so hard to keep hidden. With your back against a wall, would you be brave enough to take the chance you're given? Sounds so intense. I, as I was uh, reading it, I kept turning to my husband, just being like, I need this to be a movie, because I think yes. it would be a really good movie. I think so, too. And I just and want to intense. watch, and I just want to watch, like, a big budget, like, action-type film. Yeah. With it? I don't know. I was thinking about I that a like lot when I was reading. <laughs> it would even do good as like a Netflix like series too. Yeah, like one of their mini series things, like a five episode or something. That'd be interesting because you could kind of go back and forth between the timelines a little bit. Yeah. Um. So again, I know we talked about it a bit last week, but do you want to give us kind of a Sparknotes version of why you picked this one? Um, I actually joined some other friends in a clearing out my bookshelves, specifically of Book of the Month books, um, because I'm so behind on them. <laughs> um, and that. this was the first one that I read for the year, and I was blown away by how good it was. Um, I have a tendency to buy books and not really read what they're about. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. Oh my gosh, I do I, that too. Or like I'll and hear I don't people talking it. about it and I'll be like, I would this. probably like whatever that is that they're talking about and I'll yeah. buy <laughs> And I yeah. don't read the synopsis really ever. So um, 
I just was like, yeah, this looks cool. Let's read it. And then as I was reading it, I was like, holy crap, like this is amazing. <laughs> and then we started talking about doing the podcast and the show. And I was like, I just finished this book. <laughs> Let's read it. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, people always talk about, oh, you shouldn't judge books by their covers and blah, blah, blah. But also, you kind of have to judge a book by its cover. Like, that's why they have, they hire people specifically to design covers so that you'll see a cover and say, I don't know what that's about, but I want to read that. Like, that mm -hmm. looks like a super cute, or that looks really intense or, you know, whatever. So, the cover's yeah, like I, 90 percent of why i read a book i feel like yeah i that's a, i'm the same way it's a really bad habit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, honestly <laughs> uh, yeah either the cover like just looking very much my jam or um hearing a lot of different people talk about it i'm like yeah. oh whatever that is i should read it <laughs> like um oh what's the one uh house in the cerulean sea i want to read very badly I still but I honestly haven't even looked up what it's about because I just, the cover is so cute and everyone that we know is like raving about this book in the past three months or so. And I'm like, well, damn, I need to read this book. And I have not pulled it up on Goodreads and read the description. Like I haven't done anything, but I'm just like, I need to read that. <laughs> I put it on my Amazon wishlist, got it. And it's still currently sitting on my shelf. <laughs> I have it on mine, too. I never end up, like, buying things from my Amazon wish list. It's just kind of there so that when I'm at a bookstore or my husband is at a bookstore, we can see what books I don't already have <laughs> so that I don't keep forgetting if I have a book already and then ending up with, like, three copies of it. <sighs> but, yeah, so... Like we said, super intense, and again, this one what has been pretty hyped the past, I would say specifically, like, month and a half, two months on yeah. Instagram. It's just kind of been everywhere. Is that around when it was in a Book of the Month box? Is that why? Actually, I got it. Let me see what it's printed on. <laughs> June of 2020. So, oh, wow. <laughs> I guess it's just delayed at being um, reviewed, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I guess. Because I was going to say, so, um, I would have assumed <laughs> it would have been in, like, the November box or something. Yeah. Because that was around when it started being <laughs> everywhere. But yeah, that's, that's funny. all. Yeah. I'm like, oh, June. <laughs> it's That just shows fine. you how behind I am. <laughs> it, hey, it's cool. I don't want to talk about how old some of my neck alley books are. <laughs> I uh, have an app on my phone where it, like, I keep compartmentalized lists of all of my books that I've been sent or have on NetGalley or from Edelweiss or audio, you know, whatever, um, that I have early copies of. And I have them separated, like, January arcs, February arcs, and, like, by month. But then there's also one for overdue mm. that I haven't that I haven't read yet, and it's just it it's long. <laughs> it's long. I feel like that's why I don't have a list like that because <laughs> it makes me it feel very just... guilty. I would not honestly yeah. recommend it. 
Like, I already know that my neck galley is out of control. So the fact that I would see it in print, I'm like, oh, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ugh. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's not recommended. It's Don't, do not recommend. <laughs> Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Once you catch up, make a list so you can like keep track. But when you're as far behind as I am, don't start a list because it's <laughs> depressing. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Uh, so anyway, let's jump on into this book. So yes. you picked it because you loved it. Yeah. Yes. I have to say... I love the story. Like, the story is super interesting. Um, I thought the writing was really good. For some reason, I was having a little bit of a hard time feeling like I was drawn into this book. And I don't know if I've been having kind of a rough, like, week, week and a half-ish. So I don't know if maybe that's part of it. Like, maybe my brain just wasn't prepared to be focusing on a book maybe um because I can't pinpoint anything in or about the book that would have given me these issues you know like sometimes the story is great the writing's great but I don't like the character and I have a hard time uh kind of feeling invested in the book and I didn't have any of those kinds of problems but yeah for some reason I found myself getting distracted pretty easily um and just not until about, I'll say, the last third, I didn't feel the, like, I have to keep reading to see what this is. Um, which is crazy, because the drama and the intensity starts on page one, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I thought that was interesting. Like I said, it might just be a when I was reading it thing rather than a this book thing. So, I think I'm going to plan to reread this one again later sometime i was trying to look at uh my post i think i gave it four stars because Mm -hmm. um like you said the drama starts on page one and i remember like the first 80 pages i like soaked in and was like this book's about to be amazing let's figure out what's gonna happen then the middle part kind of like i kind of felt just like okay get to the point like what's gonna happen where is this gonna go Like, there was, like, a lot of not unnecessary detail, but, like, uh, I just feel like, not that it went sidetracked off the storyline, but there was just something in the middle where I, like you said, lost focus or kind of felt like, do I even want to finish this? And then the ending wrapped it all right back up with the same pace that was in the beginning. Yeah, and like I said, about the last... 80 to 100 pages, probably, Mm -hmm. were just really, like, go, 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 and really intense. Um, Yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it, I think. I, when I do a review for this one, I'm going to try to do that this week so that I can have it up um, the day this episode goes live. But I I think it's going to be a solid four stars because I really enjoyed it, and I don't have anything Mm -hmm. that I didn't like about the book, but yeah, I just... There was a good, like, 120-page chunk in the middle that I just yeah kind of had to keep reminding myself, like, oh, right, I'm supposed to be reading. Or, like, oh, that's right, I have to finish this book in the next couple days. Yeah. So I actually I finished the book it, last night. For it barely being 300 pages, 
for that 120 to like lose your focus, that can make or break a book. Absolutely. And I know a lot of people that DNF right off the bat of like 100 pages. So I feel like... If I admire those have, people, honestly. I know. I feel I like feel if so people guilty. stuck, I honestly just wanted to see what was going to happen. I was like, where is this going to go? Did Eva get on the flight? Like, you know, like what happened? Right. And what's going to happen to Claire? So that's why I was like, I need to figure out Absolutely. What. And the ending, the ending is good. Just that middle part. Yeah. It's so a make So let's or break. get into that a little bit and just kind of unpack a little bit of the plot. Um for anyone listening who might not read the book so they can kind of, you know, be on the same page and follow the discussion. <laughs> same page. That's the name of the podcast. I'm the best. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> oh, wow. Pat my own back for that one if it wasn't so <laughs> dumb. Um, <laughs> I will do that sometimes. Like, I'll just be having a totally non-book related conversation with my husband or my sister-in-law or, you know, whatever. And I'll be like, yeah, just so that we're on the same page. And they'll be like, and I'm like, no, hey. I'm not. It's, it's a figure of speech. <laughs> but don't make that face at me. Like, see? Because that's your, you do the thing. And I'm like, I do. I do know about my podcast that I'm on. Uh, <laughs> I do it every week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> this book, one thing that I didn't expect from last week reading the uh, Inside Flap, and I almost never start reading the books for the episodes before recording those first episodes. Um, So, like, a lot of the time, that's my first time reading the synopsis, or, I mean, if it's a book I've picked, usually I know what it's about, but as far as this one, that was my first time really reading the synopsis, and One thing that from that I didn't expect was we kind of got a dual, not just point of view, but timeline, which I thought was interesting. Um, So the very first chapter, it's almost like a prologue type thing, is Ava at the airport. And she's actually talking about how she knows... Claire's coming, she knows what she looks like, she knows that she's trying to escape, like, all of these things that she just knows about Claire, and so it's not as much of a chance meeting or chance encounter as the book description leads you to believe um, in that first short chapter prologue. You you see how Ava is manipulating Claire into thinking that switching tickets is her idea and, like, it has to be her idea or else she won't want to do it and blah, 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 which I thought was interesting. Um, What did you think about that? How did you feel about Ava's pretty downright manipulation of Claire? I actually forgot that they mentioned that in the prologue. And I think that that's important that we point out because I found out that a lot of people don't read like the prologue and epilogue of a book. They just read the actual part. Yeah. So Let if me you see didn't if it's read it as a prologue, I actually don't. So remember. if you, I think it is. So yeah, if you don't is. read the prologue, then it does go with the synopsis about it's by chance or random or that it wasn't like set up. And then we find out later on in the book that why it is the way it is. Um, yeah. 
But I was shocked. That's really interesting, actually. I I don't know that I've ever, like, known someone to specifically not read prologues. My parents don't read him. My dad does not read a prologue or an epilogue. He said the book ends when it ends at the last chapter. I'm like, no, it, it sure ends doesn't. on the very last page. On the yeah, very it last ends page of when the book. it starts the acknowledgments. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I thought that it was crazy, and I guess that was part of the reason why I was so intrigued because I was trying to understand why she wanted it to be Claire's idea so badly, mm-hmm. um, and why she couldn't, like, why it was so important to her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it makes Which you wonder like, who is this person? Which that's never fully explained. It kind of is sort of implied it's just in on. that moment of like, yeah. it needs to be her idea, maybe so that she will go along with it. Because if you randomly suggest that to someone, it would sound kind of crazy, you know, and, and yeah. they probably wouldn't necessarily go along with that plan. And so that's kind of touched on. But yeah, it's never fully explained why it was so important to her yeah and even though it is like a dual um timeline i wish we would have gotten more from eva's side Mm -hmm. instead of just eva's side from other people um but i think she did that on purpose also for the story yeah so that's like one thing that's frustrating but for sure So the different chapters, it does go back and forth for the two points of view, basically. And Claire's chapters are present day after the crash, like as they're happening. And those are first person. And so we are in Claire's head. We're, you know, seeing that inner monologue. We are following her thought process. And then Ava's chapters go back to, I think it starts six months before the crash, six or seven. Um, Yeah. And they kind of skip around. It's not always six months ahead. It leads up to the day before and then the day of, uh, right near the end of the book. But we are getting her past leading up to the crash instead of um, much the day of or even the day before. Like you said, kind of getting more of that thought process of, you know, how she decided to do this, how she ended up doing it. But another thing, like you said, is that Ava's chapters are in third person. And I don't know necessarily if that was a choice because it's in the past, maybe, and so it's just telling stories, or if it was, not going to say it quite yet, we will when we talk about spoilers, but because of Ava's, like, how she is at the end of the book, Maybe if that's why. Um, But yeah, we're not getting a ton of her thoughts on anything. It's much more Ava did this, Ava said that, Ava was worried about this. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Yeah. And so kind of trying to summarize a bit of the plot here. And again, we'll save most of the ending for closer to the end of the episode. Basically... This happens, they switch tickets, they are both checked in for their flights, and during the prologue, it ends with Ava basically saying, I'm not actually going to be on the flight. Like, she drops the purse, and she says, I could very easily get off of the plane and, like, not take this trip and end up buying another ticket. 
And so you are left throughout basically the whole book with the assumption that Ava was not actually on the flight and that she didn't actually die when the plane crashes. And so you're following Claire and she ends up basically trying to live Ava's life after she finds out about the crash. Um, and so she cuts her hair short and dyes it blonde so that she'll look more like Ava and can maybe use her driver's license. She starts taking odd jobs, catering parties and all these things and living in Ava's house. And all the time she is logged into her husband's basically <laughs> Gmail account and is watching this like Google Doc that he and his assistant have where instead of saying anything out loud or sending any emails yeah. or whatever, <clears throat> they type to each other in this Google Doc. And so she's watching, trying to see if they know she's alive and uh, if they know where she is and what they're planning to do. And most of what is in the doc is actually about an ex-girlfriend of the husband's who had died under kind of mysterious circumstances. <laughs> yeah. And um, you do find out that he was involved in that. And she finds out that she thinks Ava's alive because she thinks she sees her uh, in a crowd, like, on a news program, I think. And so it's just kind of her trying to figure out what to do now and where to go. And if Ava's alive, I can't keep using her name and, like, all of these different things. So, yeah, it was really interesting. And, again, it starts right from the beginning. Yeah. Like, just right off the bat. Yeah, I don't know. Do we want to jump in really quick with favorite character? Did you have sure. one written down? Uh, I actually loved Claire and Danielle. Um, Claire, yeah. I loved, I think, the most. Just because of uh, the things that she was facing. Um, I know there's some trigger warnings in here, so I won't say it. But the stuff that she's trying to overcome... You're okay. I, I'm going to put a big old trigger warning in the beginning. Um, oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so Claire is my favorite because her husband is a politician and he is in the public eye. Um, and everybody thinks that their relationship is perfect and it's not. Uh, behind closed doors, he's abusive to her, um, both mentally and physically. And that is one of the main reasons why she does decide um, that she wants to get away. And that why it has to be so secretive because of who he is and he has resources. Um, yeah. So just throughout the book about how she tries to overcome that and how she grows as a person and realizes that like she doesn't need that. Um, and just how manipulated she was like her fear like the taxi scene that yeah. blew me away and I even felt it and I just even though that this book does talk about domestic abuse. <clears throat> It talked about it in a way that was, yes, I did get fearful for her at certain parts, but it was never too intense to the point that, like, <clears throat> oh, I can't read this passage because I can't even imagine going through it. Like, it never talked about... Right. Um, it was... It never was in-depth. It just touched on it. 
Right. It was in yeah. enough description that we felt the desperation that Claire was feeling. Yeah. But it was... There were only a couple times that it felt really potentially triggering. Um, yeah. And it was never... I would say explicit. Like, it wasn't... You weren't uh, in her mind as it was happening. And it yeah. wasn't... Like, I... The domestic violence is not something that I personally have been through. So, you know, that trigger would hit other people besides me very differently. And I recognize that. But as far as, like, the mental and emotional abuse side of it... Yeah. Um, I have experienced a bit more of that, and I felt that that side of it, it was enough to understand, but it wasn't enough to feel so triggering that I couldn't get through the book. And I think that Julie did a really good job of that with, honestly, all of the triggers that we're going to yeah, say. Yeah, I love how they were discussed. Like, it was done, I think, very well, and uh, I appreciated that. And I loved Danielle because at the beginning of the book, she's made to be like this evil, just yeah. Danielle evil is, human being. Uh, Claire's assistant who works for her husband Rory. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end of the book, she actually helps Claire. Um, and part of me was like, "Is this a setup or is this real? Oh, like, yeah. is that that was literally the fear that I was feeling when she started contacting Claire." And when mm -hmm. I found out that it was, like, pure and real, I was so happy Yeah, for the I both of them. loved that. So I also had Claire as, like, my main one for all of the same reasons that you did. She's such a strong character. And the mm -hmm. way that she is able to kind of move herself mentally and emotionally even more so, I think, than physically, move herself past her circumstances and her kind of gaslighting from Rory and is able to find her way out of this situation, I just thought was amazing. And then we'll talk about what she does in the end uh, in a bit, but I thought that that was, like, so strong. Uh, and yeah, I, I loved Danielle. In the entire beginning of the book, before this plan to escape, you get the idea that Claire and Danielle don't necessarily see eye to eye, and Danielle is kind of the person who gets, not necessarily mad, but is like, you need to be on time for this, like, why are you yeah. late again? She's really, like, running Claire's schedule, and Claire doesn't love that, because who would? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you get the idea because you're in Claire's head, uh, and so you see Danielle the way that Claire sees Danielle. Um, you get the idea that she is just concerned because she works for Rory Cook and she wants to make sure anyone who is around Rory Cook seems as perfect and as punctual and whatever as he does and as he expects them to be and then in the end it turns out that she didn't feel like she could speak up about his abuse to claire um but that she was trying to be like 
okay, so maybe if she's not late as often, he won't be mad and it, it won't happen, you know? And so it, on her side, obviously was not a perfect way to handle that. And Claire wishes she would have that Danielle maybe would have come to her and like talked to her about it, maybe stood up for her with Rory. But it was all of the best intentions and trying to protect Claire. And in the end, basically ends up sending her the thing that helps save her life, which yeah, <clears throat> I just, I really loved. Um, the other character that I wrote down, we actually <laughs> haven't touched on at all, and we probably won't go too in-depth with, just because th there's a lot to unpack here. But um, the other character that I wrote down is Liz, which she is Ava's next-door neighbor. Uh, and we haven't mentioned this yet, and this is another trigger warning that will be in the beginning, but Ava was slightly forced into a life as a drug dealer. And so she doesn't love it. She's not, you know, happy doing that, but she doesn't really know much else. And when she meets this neighbor, uh, who is an older woman who works at Berkeley and is just a treat. Liz kind of shows her what it might be like to want more for herself and to expect more from herself and to maybe, you know, look for a different life or a better life. And she, a lot throughout the book, describes Liz as the first person to show her love and the first person to, like, really selflessly care about her and all of these things and so i just i really liked their relationship a lot and liz just seemed adorable <laughs> really <laughs> i cute. did love i did love liz too uh their relationship was really nice especially when she had to take the break from uh yeah selling and dealing uh how close that they got, I was like, oh, she's she's going to be an important person in this book. You could just tell. Yeah. Um, and I feel like everybody needs a friend like that. Absolutely. Especially this book. I loved how the relationship between the women in this book mm -hmm. was so empowering. And how it wasn't just like, oh, Claire and Danielle are empowering together. No, it was like every female that came into the book... Um, was at one point empowering to someone else in the book right. and i loved that it I'm was getting like goosebumps like thinking yeah, about it i loved that it was like women supporting women and mm -hmm. helping them and encouraging them throughout the whole book like that was one of the main messages and i was all for it i'm here for yeah. it yeah i loved that um and like you said it's one of the main focuses of the book. And that's definitely something that I wanted to make sure we talked about is obviously because of the subject matter with Claire and her husband, this book deals pretty heavily in the Me Too movement and yes. talking about, you know, boys will be boys, all of that crap. Um, and it's really easy to see both of these women these two characters, Claire and Ava, as very alone in the world. They don't have any family left. Uh, Ava was an orphan. 
and Claire's family died when she was in college, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. And, you know, Claire, obviously, with uh, her husband being the way that he is and being so controlling over her, she doesn't have a ton of female friendships that she's able to hang on to. She really only has Danielle, who is her assistant, and until the end, you get the idea that they don't really get along very well. And then Ava, because of the life that she's leading, can't really have too many friends because it could potentially be dangerous or um, hurt her work or her schedule or any of these things. And so it's really easy to see both of these women as really alone in the world and really, you know, me against the world type mindset. And I think they both feel that way at various points throughout the book. But I love the fact that as the person reading their story, you know that they never are. Mm -hmm. So much of this book is about women just really standing up for and lifting up and supporting the women around them. Claire gets the fake ID from an old friend from high school. When she is in uh, Oakland, she ends up doing little odd jobs with a catering company because she made a friend at a coffee shop. And Danielle comes forward and is like, I will stand by this thing that I sent you and I will, you know, stand by you so that you can be out of this situation. And, um... There's a woman, too, who is coming forward about Rory for the uh, ex-girlfriend that had passed away that we mentioned. And so it's just, it's so good. I just, that was my favorite part of the book, was yeah. that underlying and I think, story. And I don't think that you expected for something like that to be involved mm -hmm. um, in a story that talked about something as big as domestic abuse like i think yeah. it was a cry for help but not in the sense that like she felt powerless or felt that she couldn't do anything um mm -hmm. and i just i was not expecting to get that aspect from the book at all uh, yeah and not in as many ways as we did it's just something that you want to see like in real life happen yeah. like instead of just women tearing each other down uh, yeah there's so that's what much you want to see yeah, Everywhere. that's what you want to see is them building each other up. And I think that this book is exactly that. Um, mm -hmm. And that alone, I think, played a huge part in why I gave it the four stars also. Because, yeah, yeah. it was good. <laughs> yeah. Like I said earlier, I always feel very guilty uh, when I think about not finishing a book. And especially because it was for the podcast, obviously, I wasn't going to not finish it. Um but just in general, that's not something I do very often. But in the middle, that like 120 pages where it felt kind of slow and I was having a hard time focusing on it, might have been a time that I might have said, okay, let's put this down, pick this up later, you know, whatever. Yeah. And this theme that by then you were starting to see kind of coming to life is one of the biggest reasons that I could not have done that. I just loved it. Yeah, I agree. That was great. Did you have a favorite scene that just like stood out to you? I have two. One we kind of touched on already where um, Danielle was reaching out to Claire 
mm-hmm. about helping her at the end. And my other one is when she is working with the catering business and they're at that huge event uh, mm-hmm. and there's another couple there that starts getting into an argument and she steps in the middle of it. I loved that because in that right before that scene, she talks about how she needs to stay low because she's actually thinking about relocating again. And she didn't want she didn't want any issues. She didn't want any drama. She didn't want any attention on her or anything. And she just went, stepped right into it and stood up for her and again, that other woman. Yeah. Um and basically saying that like what's going on is not gonna happen and if it does, there's millions of people watching. Right. And she realizes that it gets recorded. Um but I love <laughs> I know, but I love I love that that scene because that too shows how strong she is and how far mm-hmm. she's come and realizing in such a short amount of time too. Yeah, and realizing that yeah, that she needs to help or wants to help um other people. Yeah. I definitely um I mean I don't want to say I enjoyed that scene because it's, again, kind of a hard scene. Yeah. But for the same reasons that you're saying. And you get the idea that it's kind of a similar situation to Claire's, not just with the potential violence and, at the very least, emotional abuse that's happening. But you see him kind of pushing her around a little bit. Um, Yeah. But it is this famous baseball player it's a famous sports person and his girlfriend and so you kind of get the idea that it might again be something like claire's where she doesn't feel like she can leave because he's famous and really well known or you know something like that and yeah the fact that she without even thinking about it is able to step in and like you said just say this isn't okay like what you're doing is not okay it's not gonna happen and because she's there and she's standing up, the woman is able to leave the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so good. Um, the other one that I had written down is just kind of sweet and, like, sentimental. It's not really too important to the story, but it is Liz and Ava, around Christmas time, are going and getting a Christmas tree together. Because they've been spending a lot of time together. Oh, yes. <laughs> and... Liz, I don't remember if it specifically says it, uh, like how often it happens or if you're just kind of left to imply, but she, again, is a professor and it seems like she kind of moves around a lot, like um, goes and does a lot of semesters at different schools and maybe she has a really specific uh, focus that she does lectures on, you know, something like that. And she says that everywhere she goes when she's going to do Christmas, she does this and she's never had a Christmas without a Christmas tree. And so they go and instead of cutting down a tree and putting it in one of their living rooms, they get the full tree, like roots and all, and they plant it in their front yard and they decorate it with outdoor lights and with um, like ceramic ornaments and things that can withstand the weather and it's just I thought it was really sweet and she gives her (laughs) an ornament which is a glass bluebird uh, because she tells her that 
bluebirds are signs of happiness. And that's something that my family has always had on our tree is a little bluebird of happiness. And it's one of my favorite ornaments of my parents, like, at all. Um, And so that just, that got me partially because of the bluebird, but partially just, I'm a sucker for Christmas and I'm a sucker for a Christmas tree. (laughs) And I loved the idea of, you know, no matter what happened with Ava and once Liz went back home or whatever, this physical representation of their relationship and their friendship and what they meant to each other and the kind of support that they gave each other will always be there. And I just thought that was was really sweet. (laughs) That is a cute scene. And it shows how close um, they are to one another. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have any favorite quotes that you wrote down? Yes, I did, actually. Let me get my notes. (laughs) Um, So official. I know I always have my my journal, like, on my uh, keyboard here. (laughs) So I can't type anything, uh, but I can read them. I don't know what page this is from because I read the audiobook, actually. So, but, um, (laughs) Eva is saying that she's not very good at forgiveness. And Liz, it says Liz nodded. Not many people are. But what I've learned in life is that in order for true forgiveness to occur, something has to die first. Your expectations or your circumstances. Maybe your heart, and that can be painful, but it's also incredibly liberating. And I I just love that quote. For the book, for life, um... For everything i just i read it and i was like oh yes yeah like, yes that was just a really powerful moment i think um and again it's just liz being a badass mother figure and being yes. like not everything is going to be perfect and you know it being vulnerable and being honest and letting people in is really hard Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you're not ready for it, but once you are, you'll know because that will be replacing something else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really loved that one. Um, and then I had two different ones that I wrote down, actually, coincidentally, one from Claire and one from Ava, um, <laughs> that just kind of felt like they wrapped up and like tied a nice little bow on the theme of the book other than of course the women like i said this book is dealing a lot in the me too movement and in you know believing survivors and supporting survivors and just really being there for those people and listening to their stories and so i wrote down both of these quotes um they're pretty different, but I feel like they both kind of went with that overall theme. And the first one is Claire, and this one's about halfway through the book. It's when she is kind of trying to live in Ava's life, and she is saying, well, even if someone from my old life saw me right now as I am, you know, I have the different haircut, I'm wearing different clothes, I'm in a very different environment, would they be able to know who I am? And she says, Identity is a strange thing. Are we who we say we are, or do we become the person others see? 
Do they define us by what we choose to show them or what they see despite our best attempts to conceal it? And I love I just, that one too. Yeah. And it, because her husband had been so controlling, she talks about she had never been able to cut her hair short uh, because Rory thought it looked more feminine long and he wanted her to be able to have it down for casual events and put it up for formal events. And it was, her hair was an extension of his image. And so just all of these things and the fact that she wasn't able to choose what she was showing the world. Um, I just, I really liked that quote and it's a, it's a good question. I thought something that I don't know that people will ever really know the answer to, you know? Yeah. Even if subconsciously people make assumptions about other people, good, bad, or indifferent, and it can be accidental without meaning to, you know? Um, but it is interesting to think about if those assumptions come from what they see on the surface or if they come from what they think they see on the inside. Um, and then the other one that I wrote down, like I said, was from Ava, and it's actually from the epilogue. Um, and it says, It isn't just what has been done to each of us, by Dex, by Claire's husband. It's a system that tells women we are unreliable and then expendable, that our truths don't matter when set side by side with a man's. Which I think is just basically the, like, put it on t-shirts, this is the quote of the Me Too movement, basically. Yes. Where I love that this book has that community of women coming together and standing up to this really strong and influential man. But at the same time, you know that they're coming together because any one of them alone couldn't have been successful with it, you know? Which is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. Uh, no matter how many times it happens yeah. on the media or how many times in our lives in high school or whatever. But it just, it never gets easier. And so I thought that quote was really powerful because it's not just picking a person's side and saying this is the one of these two people I believe. It's invalidating the other person because this very influential man or this man with a lot of power seems more trustworthy than you do. Yeah. So that was rough, <laughs> but I liked, <laughs> it I liked the quote a lot. I do. I do like that. And I mean, I'm still like blown away at the fact that we're talking about this Me Too movement in this book. And I feel like this book was never portrayed or published or mm -mm. recognized or talked about that it was part of the Me Too movement. It, it was just all. like, oh, it's the best thriller. You need to read it. And yeah. I, mean, I again, feel like this read, should be... Read the description on the inside in the Yeah, inside it flap. doesn't talk anything like about that. They switch tickets. They make a last-minute decision. She uh, made a plan to vanish. And then the tagline at the very end, with your back against the wall, would you be brave enough to, to take the chance you're given? Yeah. Is and really I just... only talking about stepping into Ava's life and, you know, trying to reinvent herself. 
none of it is talking about this really big underlying theme of the entire book. And that makes me so sad because I feel like it might not get to some of the audience that would maybe want to read this book. It would Mm -hmm. just get to the audience of thriller fans and, you know, so... Yeah, I think that's frustrating. those tones in the book, both with the movement and the coming together of the women, could be really beneficial to a lot of people who, yeah, if thriller isn't their go-to genre, might yeah. not even know that this book is out there. Exists, yeah. Yeah. Here it is. We're telling you live. No. Yes. <laughs> you heard it here first on the Same Page podcast. Read this book. and then last big question before we kind of go into a little bit of the ending and more of the spoiler side of it um yeah i mean the whole book is kind of a spoiler but as far as like (laughs) how it ends (laughs) (laughs) um is so there are actually some like book club discussion questions in the end of this book and this is one uh from that section that I thought was kind of interesting. So putting yourself kind of in Claire's shoes here, you feel like you have officially disappeared. The plane crashed, which is heartbreaking because this woman who helped you was on that flight. Um, But people think you're dead. And this is honestly the best case scenario for (laughs) getting away from this life. And so she like we mentioned, temporarily starts living in Ava's house and, you know, cuts her hair so that she looks like Ava and starts trying to work and earn some money before she thinks about relocating somewhere else. Stepping into someone else's life like that, do you think you would feel fortunate that you were able to do that? Or would you feel guilty that she had been on the flight and you hadn't? Uh, I think I'd feel guilty. Um, I'm a huge believer in fate and whatever happens, happens. So I think that if that would have happened, I would have been like, was that supposed to happen to me? Was I supposed to be on that flight? And that was how I was supposed to escape this life or get away. Um, And it's different than just, oh yeah, she was on the plane, it crashed. I'm going to go live in a hotel now. She -hmm. was living in her house using her things using her shampoo clothes yes uh even using her id uh that i I don't think i would be able to i think but at the same time i don't know what it's like to be in a relationship like that um Mm -hmm. i would say that i was probably mentally um abused or had a lot of games played to make me think the way that her mindset think, thought. Um, but I was never physically um, yeah. abused. So I think that that's hard to try to understand and realize because Claire's probably thinking that, like, holy crap, I feel bad. But at the same time, he doesn't know that I exist. He doesn't know mm-hmm. where I am. And in this house for once... Her, her biggest in- fear is that once her husband finds out she's still alive, he's basically going to use 
everyone else thinking she's dead as an excuse for, she says, he could do whatever he wants to me because people yeah. think I'm dead and no one would know. And at this and point, she's Google starting doc, to see that the ex-girlfriend dying might not have been accidental. <laughs> and yeah. uh, and yeah, in that so. Google Doc between Rory and Bruce, they literally talk about figure out what happened and make this go away. Like, mm-hmm. let, let's try to keep it out of, like, the public as much as possible or um, to cover it up. Uh, which, do you think he had something to do? You think he was behind the flight, like, Oh, my crashing? gosh. Okay. So... Uh, <laughs> because how just, ironic, because she wasn't originally supposed to go to Puerto Rico. Her right. flight got changed that morning. Yeah. Uh, which was, oh my God, heartbreaking. So yeah. just really quickly to finish off this question, I feel like I would be a mix of both. Obviously, it's a never say never situation. Like, you and I, we have not been in that situation. And so yeah, it's impossible to say how you would react or, you know, how you would process that information. It's kind of like people always say, you know, this person and this and this person and I are both in a fire. Which one of us do you save? Like, you never... These types of questions you can never honestly answer because you don't know until you're in that position. Um, so I think... Part of it would feel very fortunate, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think I believe enough in destiny and kind of the workings of the universe that I would feel, I would have a hard time feeling like it wasn't supposed to be me. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Um, so yes, <sighs> fucking heartbreaking. She's supposed to go, where else is it? Denver? It was somewhere cold. I think it was Denver. It was somewhere. Because her whole entire wardrobe had a change. Yeah. (laughs) Her whole Uh, wardrobe had a change. It was like, maybe it was Detroit. I don't know. But, yeah, so... Oh, was it? I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I have to look now. Maybe it was Detroit. I think it might have been, actually. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so she was supposed to go somewhere for this work trip. It was Detroit. Was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I literally opened up to the page that it said, change of plans. You're not going to Detroit anymore. <laughs> um, but anyway, so she was supposed to go for this work trip and basically give a speech somewhere for the Cook Family Foundation. Uh, and she and Danielle, the assistant that we've been talking about the whole time, we stand. She and Danielle were supposed to go on this trip together. And she had this whole thing planned. She had the fake ID and the passport and, like, a social security card. Like, she had everything she was going to possibly need. And money. To fully escape this life forever. Yeah, and she had thousands of dollars in Mm -hmm. cash. And it was all sent to this hotel that she was going to be at. Um, And the morning of, she wakes up and her husband is already gone. And she's like, oh, he's probably at the office, you know, whatever. And Bruce, his assistant, the one... The famous Bruce with the Google Doc. Google Doc. Um, <laughs> Google Doc, man. Yeah. Uh, he comes <laughs> in and wakes her up and says, change of plans. You're not going there. You're going here instead. Rory is already there. Like, he and Danielle are on this flight to the hotel, and they're using your hotel reservation. 
And so she calls the hotel and is like, oh my gosh, you know, I have a package that was being sent there and I've had a change of itinerary. I'm not going to be at your hotel anymore tonight. Is there any way you can forward it to me somewhere else? And the very sweet woman at the front desk who was trying to be so helpful very cheerily says, oh, don't even worry about it. I gave it to your husband five minutes ago. Not, not good. My heart sank. I know. My heart dropped. It was in my stomach. I was like, It was oh, in my no. butt. It was in my butt. I was like, oh my God. It was, Why? Oh, <laughs> so heartbreaking. And so, yes, I... Mm, the entire book, I was waiting to find out how he was responsible for the plane crash. I'm going to be honest. The whole time. Uh, yeah. I was waiting. Yeah. I was like, he's got to, right? He killed the ex, and now she's like... How ironic that it just went down. Like Yeah. And so the whole time I was waiting to see how he and his team were responsible for this crash. Like if they knew that that plane had been acting up, so they put her on that flight or Yeah. Uh they like did something that messed with the radio, like whatever. I was waiting. And it never happened. I know. And I yeah. just so many questions and you're just like what? <sighs> the fuck i'm still not convinced that they weren't partially responsible i almost feel like there has to be a book too like i don't know i almost feel like there needs to be but then at the same time i feel like no because we got our answers Mm -hmm. but we didn't get that's the only one (laughs) and it might just be us reading too much into it but yes i had that exact same thought like the second that he was responsible for her changing flights so last minute, and then the Mm -hmm. flight went down, I was like, okay, so it's the husband. (laughs) (laughs) He's the one that we hate. (laughs) Well, we already hate him. Even more. Even more. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because he's kind of a dick without crashing the plane. Honestly, yeah. That just puts him over the level, over the top. (laughs) He went from dick to super dick. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh okay so i think those are all of my notes before we get into more talking about the ending and the couple of kind of like twists that we did get um was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we kind of dive into that no i'm ready okay perfect so anyone listening who may still be planning to read this book your spoiler warning is officially in effect um so ava was on the plane yep which was heartbreaking yeah and she like basically the flight attendants are like hey you already checked in for the flight like we can't let you get off now (laughs) she's like okay and she uh, it specifically says she touches the outside of the plane for good luck, which is a thing that I know real people do. And she goes and she switches seats with someone else to get a window seat so that she can, like, see her new life. I know. <laughs> and it's she's, so... like, holding the bluebird ornament that Liz had given her. And, yeah, so she she's on the flight 
even though from the very beginning we were led to believe she isn't. And yeah. And so she, she dies in the wreckage, and it was heartbreaking. <laughs> my, my little soul did not like it. I just hate stories about plane crashes in general because that's oh, one of my biggest fears. But yeah, uh, I'm like into water yeah. too. Ugh. I know. And then that's why they thought that Claire wasn't even on it because her original seat was empty or yeah. there was nobody there. But it's because she switched and there was a bunch of twists and turns in the book. So many. <laughs> I do want more answers on. So like I said earlier in the book, Claire's like, oh, my God, Ava's alive. How, how was she not on the flight? Because she sees the short oh, yeah. blonde hair and the bright pink sweater that looks exactly like the one Claire was wearing that she then switched with Ava before, you know, switching flights. And she sees her in a crowd on, like, a newscast, basically. And I want answers on that. I want to know if that was just a random person, if maybe she saw the haircut and, like, her mind was playing tricks on her because of her guilt. Like, I, I'm... That's what I want an answer on. That in the plane. I, yeah. Give me answers. <laughs> and I remember too, I think maybe I dream like imagined it, but as soon as Claire gets off the flight, she realizes that that flight went down. Mm -hmm. Doesn't she stop to look at like a news? Like, doesn't she stop to look at a TV or does she not realize it until she's at her house that she sees the footage? No. So when she lands in Oakland, there's huge crowds in the airport around the TVs. And um, she sees that, unfortunately, the plane has gone down. So, like, did she see herself? Like, you know, and then later on see it? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions, yeah. though. So the hair would have been different. So, because she that had is, long, oh, yeah, dark hair true. at that point. Um, but, yeah, I just I don't know if I think it was her guilt, like, her guilty conscience playing tricks on her, or if she did just happen to see someone who looked exactly like, like Ava. But basically, it's you get the idea that there's a reporter outside uh, JFK, like right after the crash or something, and they're reporting on it at the airport. And she sees Ava in the crowd around this newscaster. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I want to that, on that. That gave me hope that she, like, didn't get on the flight and that she was still alive, and then they just crushed your dreams at the end. So I'm like, great. They did. They did. They crushed Thanks my heart. Thanks for ripping like out my heart. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for ripping out my heart and stomping on it. <laughs> right. Oh, God. It was so rude. Um, <laughs> but before that happens, and this is a character that we have not even touched on yet, but Ava's, like, handler... Uh, yes. The one Dex, who brought her right? into her life as it is and is kind of her point of contact with the big man. Um, his name is Dex. And she's started kind of being followed by a federal agent. And she afterwards, like after the fact, decides that she's going to work with him and try and get... Uh, immunity and try and get witness protection program and all of that and see if she can escape this life that way. Um, he ends up not being able to offer her that, which is why she makes this plan to switch flights with Claire. But in one of their discussions, you find out that 
Dex, her handler, is actually Fish, the like big drug boss that she that nobody supposedly sees. works for. Yeah, that nobody sees and that uh, the whole time Dex is like, trust me, you don't want to meet him. Like, I'm protecting you. No one sees him unless something's gone wrong. Like, all of that. And it turns out he is actually the big man and he is not yeah. protecting her like he said he was. Did you yeah. see that coming? I did not. I was so pissed off that he was the same person because I actually liked Dex. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like even though he got her into this, like he's he got seems her back. Like such a sympathetic character though. Yeah. And, and it I kind almost of seems felt- the way that he presents itself, it almost seems like maybe it was a similar situation. Like he was brought yeah. into this because it was his only option, you know? And I don't know why, but I almost felt like Mm, even though there wasn't i almost felt like there was some type of romantic relation starting there even yeah. though it like never touched on it that maybe but I there was, was like, a future yes and then i found out that he, he was fisher and i was like did i read that right rewind let me go <laughs> right. back 10 pages and and it was and it was the same person and also that detective i could not stand him i wanted to go into the book and punch him in the face because he was real cocky yeah, and then I didn't know if he was sent by Rory, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, sure. I was so confused. But, yeah, he was very cocky, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, mm, Did you see it coming? It, it was another were the same very person? sad moment. I, so I wasn't sure. It was a thought that I had fairly early on. There's a scene that Ava, even, like, past Ava, so, like, current time for whatever time this chapter is telling, as confusing as that sounds. So, like, six months ago, Ava (laughs) is remembering this. Um, And she's remembering this day that at, like, two in the morning or something, uh, Dex showed up at her house and was like, I need to show you something. We're gonna go for a walk. And takes her to a shady looking corner where there's a whole lot of police cars and ambulances and a coroner and all these things and there's a very graphic dead body um obviously it's not super graphic in the book you just hear you know, there's a body and there's lots of blood around it, but yeah, you can tell that in the moment it is very graphic for Ava. And um, he basically says, like, I just want you to know and be careful, like, this is the kind of person that Fish is. This is the kind of thing that happens when someone doesn't do what he's supposed to do or doesn't uh yeah tries to cross him or whatever yeah and you can tell like he seems really freaked out and he's like i just want my job is to keep you safe and i just want you to know like full disclosure this is the kind of person that we're working for and so in that moment i was like are you this person though because you could tell that (laughs) He knew exactly where he was going, and Mm -hmm. uh, I figured even if he wasn't Fish, he was the one that 
like did it was they the hitman the... basically for yeah. fish um because it was two in the morning he should have not he should not have known where this body was if he was not responsible for it you know yeah and so i that had is true i had like a flash moment of like is this going to be a thing and then i was like of course not and then it was very sad when it <laughs> did end up being a thing <laughs> I think the only other big thing we were going to talk about is Claire's ending, basically. Mm -hmm. So she, like we said, when she steps in between this couple at this party, someone is filming it on their phone because of course they are. This is the world that we live in now. Instead of helping, (laughs) instead of helping people film it and then they sell it to an online news person. Or, like, post it on YouTube or whatever. But um, someone films it, and it ends up on TMZ, I think. Just one of the uh, celebrity gossip sites. And people start commenting on it about how this person who stepped in and was helping looks so much like Rory Cook's dead wife. And nobody does not it, and blah, blah, blah. And so Rory knows she's there. And the whole world, basically, there's an argument going on online about if she's actually dead or not. And so she, once she gets this evidence, it's a voice memo from Danielle talking about Maggie, the ex-girlfriend, who had passed away uh, under, again, very mysterious circumstances. Um, (laughs) Once she gets this, she kind of knows that this is her only chance to get her life back and that people will always recognize her and that Rory knows where she is and like all of these things it's just all bad and so she reaches out to a news anchor that she has worked with before and who knows her um, and basically says I am alive I decided to let people think I was dead because I was trying to escape. Uh, My husband was very abusive. Like, I was trying to get away from this life, but now people know where I am. And so she ends up going on and doing an interview with this woman, like, that day. Like, when her husband is on his way to California to get her. And I thought that was wild. That she was like, okay, change of plans. Let's throw on some makeup and go on, be on the news. (laughs) I thought it was going to go south. I thought that he was going to get to her first before she even made it. Um, And even the ride that she's taking on the way with the taxi driver (laughs) and how I forgot who had the... They say how the taxi driver has a tattoo sleeve, but there's somebody else that they talk about that has the same tattoo sleeve. And Um, that's who she thinks it is. Danielle basically sends her a text that she doesn't see until after she's in the car that says, hey, Rory's on a flight right now, but he apparently already has someone on the ground. Yeah. I don't know who it is, but apparently it's someone fairly big and with a uh, full tattoo sleeve on the right arm that will fit in better with the people there than the famous politician Rory Cook will. And her taxi driver is this description. Yeah. And she's in the tunnel, stopped, 
trying to decide if she's going to flee the taxi or not because and they explain in the book that that is the mental disease um or mental aspect of the abuse that she's been through yeah. like that is how her brain is triggered that's how her brain is thinking and she actually is like three seconds away from opening the door and then she's like i didn't even ask who he was or where he was from yeah and then he says he actually the driver actually mentions like oh we're we're five minutes from the yeah. nbc he can tell the, i think yeah. it's cnn i want to say um wherever they're going though he yeah, mentions like, but he can see basically that she's distressed in the back seat and is yeah. like, hey, are you okay? I have water if you need one. Like, we're literally one turn away from being at the news yeah. office. Like, what can I do for you? And but her yeah. whole breath, like, oh, you could just tell she takes a breath of, like, relief that yeah. she's in the right place. Just like you said, when she is talking about this is mentally and emotionally what Rory has done to me. And yeah. I will never stop feeling this way unless I do this and unless I come forward. And she talks about how if she doesn't come forward, um, obviously he's running for office. And so right. he could potentially have even more power than he already has. And she talks about even if I stay dead, like, eventually he's going to fall in love again, and someone else is going to fall into this trap that I did, and that this ex-girlfriend did, and it's just, yeah. It was, a, it was a rough mind game. Yeah. That, even from afar, he was still playing. Mm-hmm. But she does end up getting to the news station and going on and telling her story, and again, Danielle... Uh, confirms the story and the evidence that she got and sent to Claire and Charlie, the other woman that we kind of touched on, but not a ton, um, who basically knows that Rory was a part of what happened to the ex-girlfriend, um, comes forward and between the three of them together they are able to, you get the idea that they win, basically. Uh, it doesn't say in the end if Rory still tries to run for office. Uh, doesn't really say a ton about what happens to him or any uh, repercussions, except that, you know, they, at that point, got divorced, you assume, and they're splitting the stuff and they're selling the house and she's getting some of the money. Um, and she ends up moving to Oakland and living near where Ava had been and uh, living near Kelly, who we barely mentioned at all, but is also a <laughs> treat, um, who was kind of her friend from the coffee shop while yeah. she was there. And so I, I really liked that ending for Claire. I do wish that we had gotten more information about the aftermath that Rory faced. Yeah, I agree. That might um, just be me being, I, like, vengeful. Like, I want to know that he paid for what he did. I don't know. No, but. I want to know, was he in jail? <laughs> did he get charged with the with the ex-girlfriend's case? Like, mm -hmm. I want to know everything. Um, I love, though, that even though she was 
what's the word, was granted or was entitled to taking half the house or even the house, mm -hmm. she decided not to. She was like, yeah. I want everything brand new. I want everything earned on what I'm making off Absolutely. of my salary. And she even does if take some of the money as far as like... She's like, I'm taking all of my jewelry and I can sell that and yes. that will help set yes. me up. And I think she is, at least at the end, debating taking money from half of the house. But I do love the idea that she's like, I'm starting over. Like, yeah. nothing even if it meant that, is like, going to be his. It is going to be mine. Yeah. yeah. And she was even willing to live, like, paycheck to paycheck, just knowing that it was, like, her own doing versus taking stuff that was from a previous uh bad relationship so i really admired that as well and how they threw that in yeah um towards the ending because it just again shows the strong woman that she is and her strength and the woman empowerment that we talked about in this book <laughs> it is everywhere yes yeah yeah i did i loved that um i really did like that ending for her so, Claire, doing good things, living a good life, potentially going to find a job at a museum and, like, finally use her art degree. Yeah. Um, Ava, don't love that ending, but it happened. Um, Rory, don't love that ending because I need all of the information. <laughs> I need all the struggles that he went through, all the consequences. Right. See, this is... I mentioned it in the beginning, but as I was reading, basically the whole time, I was like, I need this to be a movie. Because as yes. much as I'm enjoying it as a book, it, for me, is going to, I think, be a four-star read. I think it would be a five-star movie. It's just, it Absolutely. lends itself so well to that, I think. Um, but this is one of those moments, like, the movie can end exactly how the book does, whatevs. But then we need that, like, the end of Legally Blonde where it's like, Elle is proposing tonight. Uh, we had kids. Like, all of that just pop up on the <laughs> bottom of the screen. Like, Claire is living happily and uh, remarried to the most perfect, beautiful man in the world. Uh who like, worships her. Yeah, Rory is in jail for life. And this happened. Like, whatever. <laughs> I just, I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ultimate ending that we need. Right. For yeah. this book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But first, like, make it a really long, expensive trial. Like, spend all that money first. And then spend <laughs> life in jail. <laughs> He's just the worst. All right. Well... On the note of my cat's collar going crazy, uh, I think that is about all I had. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, no, I I loved this. I was super scared <laughs> coming on to the podcast when we were talking. I was like, I don't want to do it. No. I don't want to. Um, but oh I love it. You honestly. make me sound like I forced you to. Sabrina no, the you whole did time not. Was like, I am here against my will. I have been kidnapped. Send no, she help. did not. <laughs> She did not force me against my will. The only thing she said was, Sabrina is doing this week and next week, but I don't have anybody lined up after that. Hint, hint. Wink, wink. And I was like, ah, okay, let's just do it. Let's do it. <laughs> she did not force me against my will. 
Thank you. I promise. I promise. <laughs> Call off the search parties. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I loved it. Um, it was great. Uh, and I'll do this. We definitely have to do it again because we have to do our wine and I know. This might be our cold series. open because it's very good. But uh, we've decided that sometime soon uh, we're going to bring her back on and we are going to yes. do some sort of really cheesy contemporary romance and yes. we're just gonna get really wine drunk and do it so i'm all for it i'm on board we should do that for uh like the beginning of april because that's when my birthday is so we can just like that'll be a fun episode for for my birthday yeah or whenever you don't have somebody uh scheduled in just hit me up <laughs> i think it's the beginning of april is my, <laughs> my next time i that or the end of march i don't know okay i have yeah. to check with people <laughs> i'm in Perfect. i am in Start thinking of something really cheesy. Oh, crap. I gotta get some. Actually, February is the month of love that I'm doing the one. I forgot what readathon it is. Romance readathon? Romcon readathon? I don't know. Maybe I'll find one in there. Yeah, you should um, send me the readathon. I need an excuse yes. to do a lot of reading in the next month and a half. Same. I haven't done. Oh. Uh. I started off great. And I know. Then, the first week of January, I finished four books. I read five. And then yesterday, or the day before, and then I like, finished Ooh. my audiobook that I had been listening to. And it was the first book I finished since that first week. Yeah, I haven't read uh, anything. <laughs> <sighs> we still got, well, no, we. I mean, we still have time, but not really. It's already the yeah. 24th, right? It sure is. Tonight I start Jane Eyre for the buddy read that I am leading because I haven't started it yet. Nice. nice. I'm just killing See, it. <laughs> this is why I need to stop committing to uh, buddy reads because... <laughs> I made the mistake of starting a monthly buddy read of classics, which I love them, but none of them are short reads. <laughs> so Great job. You're I'm doing the, great. I'm the best, really. <laughs> I, I did this to myself. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to get through it. It's early. It's going to be so it's good. Okay. I know. Yeah. It's still early in the day. Maybe I'll get a couple chapters in tonight. It'll be great. Uh <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so would you like to tell people where they can follow you? Oh, this thing again. <laughs> yes. Uh, at eat.books.readfood.readfood. <laughs> You'll be in the description at Eat Books Read Food. That's where you can find me. You can get the grammar at the bottom of the link. <laughs> right. Get the grammar. You just need to know that there's a period between the words. And yeah, there you you're go. Golden. See, so you good. said it's so easy. <laughs> oh, and on that note, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> so I will just go ahead and quickly wrap up the podcast. Uh, you can email the pod anytime at the same page pod at gmail.com. If you have any books you think we should read for the podcast, any questions, collaboration requests, if you've read any upcoming books and you had favorite parts or questions that you'd like to be a part of it, if you have any really cheesy contemporary romances, send them my way. Uh, just let me know. I would really love for you folks to be a part of the discussions with my guests and I. And if you want to reach out to me specifically, you can find my blog that houses all of my tours, full reviews, and all of that good stuff at tacklingtbr.home.blog. 
or over on Instagram at tackling underscore TBR. And as for the podcast, you can find and connect with us on Instagram at the same page podcast, on Twitter at the same page pod, and you can find us on both Facebook and YouTube just by searching for the same page podcast. And then the last thing I will say, as always, is if you are listening to the show and you like what you hear, thank you. I appreciate that already. Uh, please consider heading to Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music, wherever it is you're listening to us, and subscribing, giving a positive rating, and leaving your thoughts in a review. It really only takes a minute or two, and it just means the world to small shows like us and helps us get introduced to more bookish folks. And with that, I will have a new friend on with me next week, so I'm very excited. Marissa, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our next one. Yes, I'm very excited. I'll start brainstorming books now. (laughs) And the rest of you, I will see you next week. Bye.